Hello again, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Ball Caps and Bagpipes. We're finally back after another long layoff. I think it's been about five or six weeks again, Jason. Uh, I'm John McKellar. He's Jason there. Yep. Hi, how are you guys all doing? It's been a long time. I think we, we've each had like three kids, changed jobs four times. I've moved. I now, I now live in the south of Spain, and yeah, it's been that long. Uh, we're here to talk about Scottish baseball, and uh, we've, winded, we've, we've wound right down to the end of the season. The regular season is over. Uh, we've had two makeup weeks. Uh, we've had the first one this past Sunday, um, and this coming Sunday is the final makeup week of the season. It's pretty much all said and done. We've clinched the 2022 champions. Congratulations ag again to Edinburgh. This time it's the Cannons. Yay, my team. <laughs> all right. You know, uh, we haven't won anything since I think 2013 was the last year we beat one of the league. Yeah, it's uh, dialing, dialing back to the old uh, Jason Dare years, back when you were the ace of the staff there. Um, have you spoken to any of the guys in the Cannons about how they're feeling about bringing that title back to the uh, the Cannons after such well, a you long know, I, I haven't had a chance. It's, it's, it's been a really busy last few weeks here. Um, but, you know, uh, obviously it, what we're going to tie it into is, you know, Gabriel Rinconis because he played for us that 2013 season for, you know, so, you know, it's good that we tied into him being drafted to the Phillies to, and uh, the, our last title. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you think there's been a wee bit of a kind of rub of the green, a wee bit of a kind of lucky omen for you guys that he got drafted this year? Uh, no, it's good to see. He put in a lot of hard work. There's a lot of articles on them. Uh, the one thing that we are doing is we will be keeping track of him all year long to see how he's doing there. I had a brief conversation with him the other day. Uh, I didn't realize he is rehabbing a torn labrum from two years ago. So that's if you've been looking to see any kind of Gabriel Rincona's news, that's why he's working out with the Phillies and just getting better. Um, he's hoping to play come September. So, I mean, that's actually just a week away. Uh, so, yeah, keep your eyes out there, and he'll probably be assigned to play fall ball somewhere. And uh, we're wishing him all the best. Now, I'm no expert um, in American football, but I'm fairly sure that if you pick up an injury like a torn labrum when you're in the minors or in college or whatever before you get drafted, that pretty much, I can pretty much end a career before it's even started. How How... You know, how how often is it that you would see someone get drafted despite rehabbing such a serious problem? Uh, well, I think he's just never had time to rest it. Where it was one of those things there where, when you play college ball, you just kind of, to be honest, the coach just grinds you out. That His job is to win as many games as possible. His job and then prepare you for the major leagues. He's not expected to baby you through there. So the fact that he was conference player of the year, despite having a torn laser and played through it, shows you what kind of potential he might actually have. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you, you can speak firsthand to the potential he showed just as a 14, 15-year-old child, <laughs> never mind as a grown man as he is now. Um, all the very best to Gabriel, and certainly we'll keep an eye on his progress, and hopefully we'll even get a chance to chat with him one day. Uh, yes, if, well, uh, he's agreed to come on to the show at some point in time. We just don't know when it's going to be. Um, so it'll come there. So you know, we all we really need to hope is Bryce Harper stays injured, and then Gabrielle can replace him in right field. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think it's only a matter of time before Bryce Harper's ego swallows the whole anyway, is it not? So it should be fine. <laughs> um, so let's say uh, quickly do a recap of this past Sunday's scores. It was week makeup week one. Um, and from there, we'll do the standings as usual, and then we're going to jump into part two of an interview with John Nelson. Uh, we left uh, John uh, in junior high, having just hit a three-run walk-off home run off Jeff Neiman of uh, Tampa Bay Rays fame. Um, high school, high school. Uh, high school. He said junior high school. This is high, high school. school. <laughs> yeah. He's high school. Um, so we left him in high school. We're going to revisit him a couple of decades later as he, as he arrives in Scotland, and we're going to talk about his time playing in Scotland and coaching the comments as well. Um, before that, let's talk about the scores. Um, this past Sunday was the first makeup week. The AAA scores were uh, up in Aberdeen. The Galaxy delivered a 22-2 victory over the Aberdeen Oilers. Um, so the Galaxy got those bats moving uh, pretty pretty early and often. Um, as comments went up to Aberdeen and put up a 25 spot as well. So um, I think uh, Kate, Kate Kauru has been uh, has been missing for a couple of weeks, and obviously it looks like they felt um, they felt his his absence quite badly, uh, giving up those 25 and 22 runs on those consecutive games. Um, it's never never, never fun to be on the receiving end of a, a scoreline like that, that's for sure. No, no it's not. Um, in Glasgow, the Comets uh, finished the the 9-7 winners over the Cannons in AAA. Um, I, I was there for the single A game, which we'll get into in a minute, but um, certainly a great result for the Comets as we wind down towards the end of the season. Um, 
in fairness to Cannons, uh, probably weren't at full strength. Uh, it's one of those games at this time of the year where they've already clinched the title, so they've probably got at least one eye on the postseason and trying to make sure that they win the double this year. Or the fact it's the Edinburgh Festival, and half the guys are probably working at the festival. <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. I, I know Rudy, Rudy Dunn, who's a key part of the Cannons and also runs the team. He's usually quite so uh, quite tied up in August. He is like he, we usually miss Rory for about six weeks, and then he gets back and goes. I'm now going on holiday for two weeks, so he's usually <laughs> gone all of September as well. So I imagine yeah. nothing changes. Yeah, um, uh, the single A game uh, just the one this week. It was the single A Glasgow Comets over the Knights and a final score of seventeen to three, uh, which sets up. Um, this coming Sunday, the last makeup week of the day, week of the year, and the last day of the regular season altogether. Um, it's going to set up for quite a tasty uh, finish in the single A division. Uh, we'll get into the standings just now, and we'll find out why. Uh, in Triple A, the Edinburgh Cannons, thirteen and three record to finish the season. They won their uh, first championship since twenty thirteen. The Edinburgh Diamond Devils finished in second place off the back of a seven game win streak. Um, wow. Now. That's after Kyle leaving, so you have to look at the, the Devils with uh, you know an, an odd of respect and and just you know give a shout out to how well they've done to overcome the loss of Kyle and, and put together such a great run down the stretch. Yeah, that's that's a wild one. I, I know Kyle wasn't the main pitcher there, but he still was a key part of someone off the bench and who could pitch in in, in a jam there. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, we, we kept wondering what was going wrong with the Devils all year long, and of course, we go away for two months and <laughs> they go very off a seven-game streak. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, finishing in third place and clinching uh, a playoff spot are the Glasgow Comets. Uh, the Comets finish uh, at the moment nine and six. However, there's obviously the, the game this coming Sunday, so it's going to be either 10-6 and six or 9-7. and seven. Um, The third place has been uh, sewn up by the Comets. The fourth and final playoff spot is going to come down to the Galaxy and Breakers. Uh, the Breakers at the moment have the advantage by half a game. They sit at 6-9, and nine, and the Galaxy are 6-10. and 10. Um, So I assume that uh, should the Breakers lose this Sunday, um, that will come down to whatever tiebreaker. Um, the league has in place, I guess it'll be the season series or, or I don't know uh, exactly how they'll work that out, but um, season series I would imagine will probably be the, the most simple way to do it. Um, bottom of the, the division in sixth place, the Granite City Oilers, who are 2-13 and 13, and uh, looks like that's going to be um, how they're going to finish the season. Uh, looks like they'll, they'll be done uh, at 2-13. and 13. Uh, in single A, the Comets and Breakers are tied for first place, heading into the final wake-up week, um, and the Comets and Breakers play each other this Sunday <laughs> at table. <laughs> so it's going to be quite quite something. Um, I'll be playing in that game. Uh, it's going to be great to go back up to Teaport and visit that amazing field they have and see all the guys up there. Uh, great team, uh, full of great people. Um, so, so, so it's going to be slightly worried that you're going to see all these new breakers who all of a sudden have a uh, have names like Silvano, I've not seen these guys all year. These guys are yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mortina, who's this? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so it's going to be quite something. Um, you know, obviously tied for first place going into the last game against each other. It's such, you know, it's, it's the perfect storybook ending, really, um, to the first single A season. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the best team's going to win and become champion this weekend. So um, very much uh, excited for that and looking forward to it. Uh, the Edinburgh Knights um, are four and a half and six and a half, um, which is due to a tie that they had with the Galaxy after 12. What I don't get is, on the standings, Galaxy have also played 12, but they are four and a half and seven and a half. So I'm not sure <laughs> where that extra game's coming from in the lost oh, column. Um, which, which, web, which website are you looking at there? <laughs> it's the standings that Paul Convoy sent me. Um, so so I'm, sure that, I'm sure that when this goes out over the year, um, He'll, he'll leave us a message and uh, let us know exactly why that's been calculated as it has. So, But that's the that's the standings. Cannons, Devils, Comets, Breakers, Galaxy, Oilers and the AAA. And uh, Comets, Breakers, Knights, Galaxy and the uh, Singley. 
Right. Okay. There we go. The season's in the book, and then we have to look yeah. forward to the Caledonia Cup. Yeah, Caledonia Cup uh, coming up in just a couple of weeks. Uh, the Caledonia Classic, which is the final, um, I'll be commentating on. I uh, hope that you'll be joining me this time, date, Jason. There. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, yeah, uh, I, 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 I will try and make time in my schedule to do it. I got a busy schedule now, so of busy, course. busy times. Yeah. Nevertheless, I will be streaming it live and uh, providing the, my best, co- my best, my best shot at commentary that I can possibly give you. Uh, we've been the final. Wingman might, there. It's not the same as the wingman. Yeah. We've been we've been the final. I might even wear a suit. Oh, oh we're going for a suit, <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, what say we get into this week's uh, interview? It's part two with John Nelson. It's been long. I mean, we waited three years for the first one, um, and now we're waiting six months, uh, six weeks, I think, is uh, for the for the second part. So let's bring him back on. All right, let's do. It. Let's bring John on and see what kind of intro music he has today. <laughs> Couldn't be arsed. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back Sorry. to the show, Johnny Nelson, uh, former Comet, former teammate of mine, a former coach of mine, all-time single-season home run record holder in Scottish baseball. Um, you up the, the, the my co-host, my, my, sting, my distinguished co-host here uh, for that title and former MVP winner. We left you in high school. You had just hit a walk-off three-run home run off Jeff Neiman, of all people, a Tampa yeah. Bay Rays alum. And uh, we're going to fast forward a wee bit to your arrival in Scotland. Um, why don't you just straight up uh, tell us uh, to start with, um, how did you end up over here and how did you manage to find uh, baseball over here? Uh, well, I'm not legally uh, allowed to tell you how I ended up in this country. Um, <laughs> so we will uh, we will leave that alone. No. Um, so I came over in uh, January of 2016. Um and uh i wasn't really intending on staying i was kind of looking for alternative places to to live and do things but um when i kind of got here and settled in and i met my my partner angela and now i've been here for however long it's been um but uh how i ended up here is actually kind of a, a long story so i'll i'll leave that for another time but um Basically, uh, I ended up here because I had a friend that lived here and I came and visited and really enjoyed it and said, I'll give Scotland and Glasgow a try. Brilliant. And how did you find the, the Glasgow Baseball Association? Um, I, I think Facebook or maybe Baseball Scotland had a website, I think. There wasn't much on it. Um, just it a was promotional, a very basic website back in the day. A, <laughs> a, a promotional video that from the... Uh, from the uh what movie was it uh, y'all major did? league <laughs> major league yeah major league two <laughs> <laughs> hi we're a baseball team major league, um, was major league yeah um so i yeah i remember i think even the even the facebook page was very basic i think it had a, a photo of toll cross and then maybe i think there was a few photos of people and one of them was geo and i was like why is this 90 year old man playing baseball in scotland um and so I think I think I I messaged through Facebook to GBA or whatever it was. Didn't hear anything back for like three weeks, and finally somebody was like, "Yeah, just turn up on Thursdays." And I was like, "All right." Um, and this was this was at the very end of the 2016 season, so I think it must have been September at some point. Um, but I, I remember. Um, I just, I mean, because I think the standings were up. They were still updated. Again, the baseball scholar. There was, it seemed like there was a little bit more minimal sort of social media presence at that time back then in 2016. Um, but I just, yeah, I remember there were two teams. It was the the Comets and the Galaxy. And I think at that time the Comets were one and nine. They weren't doing so well. <laughs> yeah, we had a couple of rough years there. Uh, we had a really great 2014 season, the first year that the team existed. Um, and then a couple of really key guys, uh, in particular, uh, Marco and uh, um, uh, uh, Francis. Uh, they were pretty much the linchpins. They were middle of, or- of the order. Uh, and when they left, we we struggled for a good couple of years to find uh, someone like yourself who came along and was that kind of middle of the order presence. Um, talk to me about how you became a Comet and finding out that you were part of the team and your first impressions of the Comets. Yeah, so when I did turn up for training that day, uh, I, and I'll never forget the day I turned up, so you, I 
parked it to a cross and I walked up to where the, the field is. And I distinctively remember saying to myself, surely this isn't where they play baseball, right? Because, you know, no, no, nobody claiming to play the sport of baseball would actually play on a field that looked like this, right? So I actually ended up walking down to the other side of the field and I was like, nope, not much better down here either. Um, but again, I had, I had no idea what to expect, right? I, I mean, I had very little sort of expectations or knew what I was really getting into. It just... I mean, even even like the worst council held baseball fields in in the U.S. are still relatively well kept, you know. Um, so I really didn't know what to expect, but I, I kind of, you know, I kind of wanted to be when I went involved, got involved in twenty I wanted to be a comment because I, I think personally, I was like, well, obviously they're the worst of the two teams here, and I'd like to sort of help impact. Uh, the team that's not doing so well. Um, and so the first person that came along to training that I had met was actually Gio, because I think Xander and Jason Stott were traveling the U.S. at the time. Um, and so neither one of them were there. Um, and I, I, I think I just kind of talked to him and, you know, kind of got a, a rundown of what was going on and where things were. And then John Tafe was there as well. I talked to him. Um, I, can't remember who else was there, but um, basically it was like, yeah, there was a uh, comments were playing in Edinburgh that weekend and it was playing the cannons and you pitch. I remember this. That was the first game I ever played was in, in Edinburgh against the cannons. And so it was kind of like, yeah, I'll tag along with the comments. And, but I actually, I ended up playing with the galaxy as well. That first, that first September. Cause I think I played two games for the comments and one game for the galaxy. And it was kind of really up in air. But at the end of the at, at the end of it, I was kind of like, no, nah, I, I want to be on the team that needs more help. No, yeah, you, you obviously you filled a hole that was desperately needing to be filled there for quite a couple of years there. Um, you joined the comments and you made the pretty immediate impact. You you know skilled, I think was it was it eight home runs you hit in twenty seventeen. Uh, total, there was seven league home runs, but I had one in Belfast in twenty seventeen, but. Um, yeah, it was, um, the, uh, the first game in 2016, I remember I went through and, um, again, it was, you know, seeing the Edinburgh field, it was kind of like, well, they're pitching off a flat surface. There's not even a mound here kind of thing and all this, but I, I remember, you know, that was, it was kind of. It was tough to say why the few things that stood out one there was i think maybe my second or third at bat uh, i definitely hit a home run off you jason but part of your fence had fallen down i don't know if you remember this <laughs> and the uh, left fielder claims it was a ground rule double but you know, to, this day, to this day i will uh i will live by it was a uh it was a home run but you know, not the benefit of the doubt as a rookie for it no, um, I, I definitely remember you taking me deep. I think th there had been an error or something that on the play before, and I was pissed off. I'm like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to throw it right down the middle and see what happens. <laughs> it was, I, yeah. So my very first at bat, you struck me out. It was the first time I had seen live pitching in forever, and I got really over anxious and was like swinging at everything. Finally, I kind of settled down. And my second at bat, I I hit, it was either a single or a double, but your man is what was it? Is it uh, the Mexican guy? Was his name Gabriel? I think he was only there. Gabriel or Julian? One of them. Oh yeah. no, it was, it was it was Julian. It was Julian that was out in left field. Um, and I remember because I ended up hitting. I think I was three for four that game, something like that. Um, but I remember talking to Julian after the game about it because he was quite good, and I think he wasn't really expecting somebody to turn up for the one to nine comments and like play as well as I did. I guess. Um. But yeah, that was the first game. But I remember just it was it was everything from how short right field was and me wishing I was a true left-handed hitter, thinking I should have moved to Edinburgh and bat left-handed. Who knows what I would have done? Um, to just kind of just the 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 makeshift fences and everything, and so it, it really kind of that first game really sort of obviously put things into perspective and gave me an idea of what we were dealing with. But I think at the end of the day, after that first game, it really kind of sank in that, 
wow, there's 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 teams here that are playing nine inning baseball with wooden bats in Scotland, and this is pretty pretty interesting and pretty incredible. So let's see where this goes. So yep, you see, that was no. really interesting. So we're, we're talking about the field in Edinburgh. So we've measured it out, and it's about 265, 270 to right field when you go all to the bottom of there. And so we measured out left field to see where people normally set it up. And it's usually set up about 270 left field, but it doesn't look the same because you don't have that giant hill there. Wow, that's that's that that surprises me because it just it seems so close. But I guess with the <laughs> background perspective and the road there and everything, it's, it could be that way. Yeah, I know. And then, you know, we're used to say, you know, playing on fields where it's 310 down the line and then 400 down in center field. And, you know, so you look at perspective and you go, okay, we're a Woodback League in Scotland. And then, and you go, well, the lines are pretty short. So um, I'm always curious how everyone sets their field up to what the real length is in everyone's field. <laughs> the eyeball test. <laughs> now, John, even though you mentioned yourself there that it had been a long long time since you had seen live pitching when you first came over um for a guy like yourself who in the past has been used to facing 90 mile per hour pitching um regularly um was were there any aspects of scottish baseball that you found that you struggled to adapt to and any unique kind of aspects to the game that you that you surprised even yourself who've been involved in baseball for decades how shocking the strike zone was other than that um <laughs> it's um I mean, not really, because I mean, obviously, it's you know relative to being older and a lot slower. So, you know, it, I hadn't I hadn't probably seen anybody throw that hard in you know fifteen years by the time I had gotten over here. Um, but I, you know, it's I mean, it, it just it, I guess it varies between pitchers. I mean, for me, I always. I always struggle to actually get slower pitchers. Like I, I couldn't hit fucking a changeup to save my life at times. You know, if you had a good fastball and a good changeup, you could usually get me out if I wasn't sitting on your fastball. So a lot of times I've always struggled with kind of slower, slower pitching. That's why, like, I always thought I hit well against the better pitchers in our league, like he Lee and, and Kyle and some of these other guys, Steven and, and, um, and Luke a little bit, you know, it's, it, it was, you know, I think, you know, I, I think you just sort of uh, adapt to what's going on. So I, I, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, there was any sort of big change. It was just more getting up to speed with what was going on. I was facing Does that makes sense. It's really hard because one day you have a guy throwing me, me mid seventies and next weekend you have a guy throwing 55 mile fastballs. <laughs> it's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They can, all, they can all throw 55 as far as I'm concerned. I'm quite happy with that. <laughs> oh, it's, but I always had a tendency, even, even I don't know if you ever, it's, it's inapplicable in, in Scotland because there's no batter's boxes anywhere, really. But um, I, uh, even, even back in when I was in my younger days, I always was sat closer to the front of the box, um, no matter how fast the pitcher was was throwing and i always thought it was um uh, mostly because i don't know jason you can attest to this you know we don't have the grounds crew as say the major league baseball does so if you're a right-handed hitter and you had probably more right-handed batters the, the the dirt would always get dug in where people were standing sort of in the middle of the box of the bat and i hated being kind of sunk down a little bit in the holes people were digging so i'd always go a little bit closer to kind of have more of a, a stable ground and I just, I kind of always just did that. Yeah, I know where you're coming from. Yeah, where like I said, the holes are dug up, they fill them in. Yeah. It does, it does a job for half a game, and then you're stuck with the holes again. There's nothing yeah. you can do about it. Yeah, and then yeah, fact, yeah, factor in, uh, you know, light drizzle that we might get during the game, or even fucking stormy weather. Like it ends up the dirt is is all fucked as it is. So yeah, it's not pleasant. Um, what I wanted to next ask you was. Um, when did you do you can you remember the moment when you felt like you're one of the guys in terms of being on that comets bench and uh the back of that what's your what was your favorite aspect of playing for the comets um you know early on again when i had gotten there um uh i had um I think it was, I think it was Xander. Xander was having a house party. So I ended up going over to Xander's house where kind of everybody was and meeting people. Um, 
there, which was one of the very first people at that party that I'd kind of met along with a lot of the other guys was Brian McIntosh. And um, he, as, as many Americans probably do when they move over here or, or are in Glasgow for the first time, I couldn't understand a damn word that guy said the first time I met him. <laughs> and I ended up. I still can. <laughs> all right. Um, but anyways, um, so I, I ended up at it, there. I kind of met everybody. Um, and then we had the, there was a race night as well. That was um, that they had at that time as well that I'd gone to. Um, so there was actually quite a lot kind of out with sort of just the baseball where it was opportunities to kind of meet everybody. Um, but I mean, really kind of after that first game in, in Edinburgh, um, it was, you know, right. Like, yeah, let's, let's go. Um, and, um, you know, I started going to training and, and meeting everybody and, you know, kind of, kind of fell into place there. And then, um, in the off season, you know, I started hanging out with some of the guys a bit more as well. And then obviously 2017 rolled up and, um, and it was kind of like, yeah, I mean, I was a part of everything by then, but yeah, I think early on, you know, and I've, I've always had sort of a penchant to sort of make myself be a part of something anyways, even if you don't like it or not, you know, I'll just do it. Um, so, so yeah. Um, it was it was uh it was very easy i think kind of segueing into to to the group so um towards the end of your first full season in 2017 obviously uh, Xander harrison the previous coach he headed off down south due to work commitments um and then soon after that you uh, you became the coach of the comments as well as playing for the team owned owen i'm sure to your vast experience um tell me about the experience of running the team um and how that compared to, to playing for the comments and you know from, going from there yeah so 2018 was sort of an interesting season i had i i think you know what i had gotten when i decided to try to join the baseball league and, and get back playing baseball was quite frankly for a, a couple of reasons one it seemed like a good opportunity because I love playing baseball. I wanted to play baseball, but it's also kind of the opportunity for myself to sort of see what I could still do, um, you know, as well as, you know, play how it would go. And so I don't think 2017 could have gone any better. And so it was great. And kind of, I did probably everything that I had wanted to do. Um, and, by the end of that season, 2018 rolled around and I was given sort of the managerial row. I I kind of felt myself maybe not a hundred percent into it. Um, I think I, I had, it, it's kind of hard to explain, I guess, in a way, but I, I wanted very much to sort of shift to that sort of kind of manager and, 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 tutelage kind of role and in coaching and type like that but also kind of keeping up with you know being in charge with everything pretty much getting balls everything i mean jason goes along with and everything but i think there were there were certain things that sort of like wore on me one of the things that i just came to my head that i absolutely fucking despise which was part of being manager was the fact that you had to take care of all the jerseys and wash them every week because people you didn't know if they're going to turn up so you couldn't leave a jersey with somebody because if they didn't show up that week then you didn't have jerseys and so yeah, i'm I, pretty sure one of them's in minnesota <laughs> as we speak right. um and i think i and i think what else was for me was i have such a high expectation of of myself and it's fine if i'm putting those expectations on myself and it doesn't really affect <laughs> Man down. Yeah, oh, all right. <laughs> the laptop just totally fell. <laughs> Jason will be back shortly. You continue, Johnny. Right. So I think I think the other issue as well was you know, I I kind of if you know I was expecting a lot more from people than I was getting. And, and that's not fault of anybody else. That's again, it's my fault because I, I was trying to expect my team to sort of, 
give what I expected everybody to put in to sort of make the team better or do what they needed to do as opposed to this is something that we all enjoy doing and having fun and we want to train and we want to talk and we want to do this and that and the other. And it was kind of like, well, you know, we should all be doing this three times a week. We should be doing that. You know, people, I won't name names, not really turning up on time or doing things. And, you know, I, I guess it was the whole sort of, and this might be a horrible way of saying it, but it wasn't more so of, um, I felt like a manager as I was more of like a, a, a task handler or almost babysitting at times, or, you know, that's probably not the best way to do it. But I, I think that it, that sort of kind of took its toll on me and I didn't really give as much as I, I probably needed to do. And really, I just kind of wanted to, I didn't want to worry about making sure there was nine people there. I didn't want to make sure we had an umpire. I didn't want to make sure like I had the responsibility of calling off games for weather and things like this and, and whatnot. I just, you know, I, all I kind of wanted to do when I got involved was, you know, sort of be a leader, play baseball and kind of have that and not really, you know, have so much more of the ancillary responsibilities that I felt some of these people could have probably done themselves. Um, But I think at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, could have been glad or you know happier that I did it. I you know I enjoyed sort of you know having the opportunity to be there when some some new guys came in. You know when I was there, like Andy Vaughn came the season I was managing, um, and so you know guys like him and Gordon, some of these other guys that kind of turned up, and there was a few other people that were involved that still are, and they you know ran with the the um you know the the team tremendously and you know one of the things i had done as well which is still kind of going is you know we have a really good sort of gba committee going now and i remember when i kind of was in charge really trying to get a group of people involved to start talking about what needs to be done and kind of getting the ball rolling and so there was a lot of people that got involved and there still are on both sides now and they're running away with it like better than i could have ever imagined so um you know, it, it's really great to see at, from that perspective, um, you know, how things have progressed from, from where I guess I left off. So that was, that was a really good part of it. It's interesting to hear you speak that way about the time you'd spent managing the team. Um, would you say then, looking back, that you, on the whole, that you regret doing it um, or that yeah. you wish that you could have played instead? Don't regret it at all. I'm glad I had the opportunity. Like I said, there's a lot of things that I'm glad I was able to sort of do as a manager. But I think at the core of it, why I wasn't maybe necessarily, you know, because I really didn't have, as far as playing, I really didn't have that great of a relative to I was in 2017. And so I think, you know, partly, again, was I I was just kind of getting fed up with having to do all the ancillary stuff my heart really kind of wasn't in it because it was almost at the point where like i said 2017 was so good and i kind of accomplished what i wanted to do and sort of proved to myself where i was that 2018 was a bit of a letdown and again that's not on anybody else other than myself um and there was other there was other things going on in my life that i started getting involved in like i really wanted to get involved in the highland games and i started doing more training that way and started to look, you know, doing different other things. And so it was kind of, you know, I started feeling the, the, the toll of going to the gym and training three, four or five times a week, playing on a Sunday and then just not being able to go in on a Monday and do the things I needed to do that I had other interests in. And so I think it was, um, it, it just, it was kind of this weird storm of a lot of different things that sort of, made 2018 you know not as great it probably could have been and a lot of it was because of me but no by no means do i regret it because like i said i got to to lead i got to meet a lot of good people i got to you know impart at least some of you know what i wanted to do and values and things and and you know get people doing things one of the things you know again i remember 2017 we really didn't do much of was sort of warm up and and stretching and running and sort of doing other things that I kind of like got more involvement. And so, no, I, 
I, I'm very glad I did it. Um, and I look back on 2018 very fondly. But I think if I were being honest about how it went, it probably wasn't as I would have hoped it would have been. Is there anything in terms of on the field that you feel you've been able to pinpoint that the Comets could have done in 2018 better that could have made that season turn out more successfully? I mean, we didn't have an awful 2018 season by any stretch, but um, like you've alluded, it could have been a hell of a lot better. Is there anything that you had in the back of your mind that, that, that we should have been doing in terms of play? That could have made us more of a contender. No, it's it's the consistency, I think, but that's that's an issue throughout the league, league wide. You know, when that comp, that twenty eighteen, when we had our full team there, when it was myself and Albert was on the team at that point, and if you remember Kevin, the Canadian guy that was there when he was there, okay. yeah, I mean, I think we when we finally beat the Galaxy for the first time, in however long it was we ended up winning like 30 to one and it was over after like the fifth inning. We, they basically ended the game, you know, because it was, you know, interesting. so I, it, I don't on the field. It's just, obviously you, you wish you had those, everybody there every Sunday playing like that. Cause it was great. And I'm, I'm pretty sure if you look back at our run total for that 2018, it was just insane. Cause I'm pretty sure we beat, the cannons a few times. I think we almost got the 40 runs against y'all one time. I was um, playing then, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, but like, yeah, no, I, I again, I don't, it, it's nothing anybody did. You know, I just, again, it was me purely, I think my expectations of what I would have, uh, would have, wanted and i think and i couldn't get angry about it right because it's not that way like you, you've you've got to take what you can get you've got to hope players show up you gotta you know take people for who they are and how they are and it's you know again i'm not going to name names but if there's some people acting the way they do like i would never have them on my team no matter how good they are you know just because that's not sort of the type of player i would want and so i was getting angry at things that were just not meant to be angry about it because it's a fun league and so again i think just you know that 2018 season for me it just it was it was all me sort of not having a, the, the right sort of again i don't want to necessarily say it wasn't anything anybody did or myself it just it, it didn't go necessarily how it probably should have. And I look back on it and think I could have done a lot differently from the way I was. Now, you opted not to play in 2019. Obviously, you pursued other interests. Um, let's talk about them for a bit. Uh, you joined uh, you know, you joined up the Hailing Games and you've been doing a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, talk to us about your experience <laughs> doing that. I Yeah, so... <laughs> The Highland games were great, you know, and the, the good thing about here as well is there's t a ton of games that go on every year. Um, and there's sort of one professional Highland game circuit where, you know, you've got about 10 to 15 guys that do it and do it really well and they make a lot of money. And then there's sort of a smaller games where there's, you know, kind of anybody can show up and they're not necessarily the more, you know, well-known ones, but I always enjoy those. One of, the, one of the best Highland games I ever did was it was in Les Mahago, um, which was a lot of fun. You know, you get the entire town there and basically everybody goes out and there's a big beer tent the kids are all running around and it's just chaos for an entire day. Um, like a lot of these are, but it was, you know, it was one of those things where I had never done it before. And you, you basically sort of try to learn as you go. So I was trying to do as many as I could, knowing very well that I was going to be very bad at it and, you know, um, hopefully improve as it went on. And actually the first Highland Games I ever did was in Malaysia. So uh, in, in Kuala Lumpur, there's a big Scottish expat. And one of the guys here that got me into the Highland Games, he and a couple other guys always go over every year to, to do the Highland Games. I get flown over um, and they performed the Island games when the expats and it was really fun. So I ended up getting to go over there. It's great. I had a great time. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of ironic that the first ones I ever did was in Asia, but um, 
it was, you know, when I had gotten back and, and I had started getting into it, um, you know, I had a lot of people around me that I knew, especially one guy in particular that sort of, you know, helped me and kind of coached me along. Um, and so it was, it was a lot of fun. It was something I knew that without, you know, lots of training and lots of practice, yeah, I was probably never going to get anywhere better than I was doing, but you, you get to go to a lot of neat places and you get to do something different. And so, um, for as bad as I was at it, I think it really sort of, um, uh, the experience of it was, was incredible. I think the only one sort of claim to fame that I have from a Highland games isn't even actually doing the events from the Highland games. It was in, um, it was in salt coats, the one down there, it's not salt coats. What's it? Um, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but anyways, one of the, one of the activities they would do is they'd kind of have these sort of, some of them will have like throw this welly boot as far as you can, or roll this, you know, bale of hay as quickly as you can. So there's sort of kind of ancillary activities you can do at a lot of these Highland games. And one of them was a haggis throwing competition. Um, and you stood on this kind of stump and you had to throw the haggis as far as you could. And so I ended up, throwing it further than anybody and I ended up winning a bottle of whiskey and I got my I was holding a bunch of haggises and I was in the newsletter of of um the games and the program for the next year so so yeah the only the only the only really good thing I ever did that was um I guess good was I won a haggis throwing contest <laughs> that's not bad my only claim to fame athletically growing up was that I won a backwards race once in Arbroath <laughs> <laughs> Still counts. Arjosen. Was it in Arjosen? There you go. Yes. That's it. Arjosen Island Games. That's what it is. As I quickly Google away and everything. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. It's wonderful. Again, it's, you know, it's it's one of these areas that's, um, one of these Highland Games that's not necessarily on the professional circuit, but it, it's these, these towns, you know, especially down there on the coast and, and everything. It's just everybody turns up and everybody's having a good time and it's it's so much fun. So, yeah, there's a lot of different places that I kind of went to to compete and do this, and you know, other other otherwise I would probably never have gone to. So I think, yeah, I think the first the first one I did in Scotland was in Shots. So again, no reason to ever go there except to do the Highland Games, which again was fantastic. It was one of the best ones, one of my favorites. The the woman and and the husband that ran it were tremendous, and everybody there was so good. See, you, you you skipped another part of John's career. Why he was doing Highland Games, he's actually transitioned to something else now. He, he <laughs> likes to pick up large, heavy rocks. <laughs> yeah, it's... explain that to us. I think I, because again, the, the people listening to the podcast are going right. So this guy goes around and picks up rocks. Like it makes no sense. Now we we know each other, and I know what goes on behind this there. But to the audience, and if they don't follow your feed, they're gonna have no idea what we're talking about here. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So I'll try to, I'll, I'll make it short and sweet, but there are what's known as historical manhood stones that are placed all around Scotland. And it, it dates back, some of them date back hundred years, but effectively it's exactly what they sound like. If you wanted to prove yourself as a man, you would have to pick up the stone. A lot of times you put it on a plinth or you carry it or you do something like that. So dotted all around Scotland in some of the most amazing remote places are just stones that sit in a field and they all have sort of a history to them. You know, one of my favorites called the Fianna stone. They have, um, it, it's, it's made out of a material called dolerite and nobody knows how it got here, but they can date it back to being here for at least 800 years. And so the, the thought of, you know, kind of picking up something that somebody picked up 800 years ago, doing sort of these, these, test of strength um is just it's it's cathartic and therapeutic and you you get to see some amazing things and they're all over the place um and i've i've gone and picked up a lot of them and so it's in you know there's there's stones all over the world as well you know there's a famous one in iceland called the husafell um and ireland's kind of getting back on the scene i've seen a lot of people kind of doing historical so there's a lot of people out there that just trace these these lineages of these stones and you know again iceland is another country and they have what's called fustarker which is called full strength again you have different rocks that you'd have to pick up and if you could pick up the heaviest one 
you know, you could be the fisherman and you could get like a full strength and you would get the full amount of catch. And if you could only pick up the half sticker, the, the half one, you know, it's, it, it all sort of just goes back to these, you know, and, and then it's all tied into the Highland games as well. You know, the first sort of Highland games dates back hundreds of years. And it was basically that clan chieftain needed to send a message somewhere. And he said, all right, the fastest guy to run up this hill will be favored and can take the message. And from there, it kind of spanned out to, to what we have now, but yeah. And so, you know, one of my favorite things to do most recently, I lifted what are called the, the Denny stones after a guy named Donald Denny. I won't get into the full history, but again, they're, probably the most famous stones in the world um definitely here and it sort of puts you in a group of you know men and women who have lifted the denny stones and it, it's it's you know sort of you 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 just i don't know it's kind of hard to explain that you're just you're you're part of something that's been there for so many years and it just you know some guy in 2022 is picking up stones that somebody in 1876 had, you know, and it's just, (laughs) especially as an American, it blows your mind away. Cause you're like, yeah. Okay. So we only had maybe what, 14 states at that time. (laughs) Right. Yeah. We haven't done the Louisiana purchase yet, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah. We might let Scots, we don't care. <laughs> so uh so yeah so my main focus now i do you know i compete in powerlifting and and i do a lot of stone lifting i've got a, actually i've got a stone lifting competition coming up october 1st uh in in lock tay in um the borland estate so if anybody's not doing anything in october 1st come come watch the uh scotland strongest stone lifter yeah absolutely man yeah get long support by nelson how heavy are the stones? That's another thing we don't know. So, I mean, obviously, you're a powerless man there, but as you know, and I've, I've seen what you've got around your house, and I'm sure that I'm, I'm surprised the neighbors haven't complained about them <laughs> dropping the floors. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but they, I know that these stones are really heavy. So, you know, I, I show people that and they go, oh my God, how heavy is that? They, uh, they, they can range, you know, a lot of them range from different weights. You know, I think, um, you know, there's there's ones out in sheriff muir that are kind of ranging from you know there's six of them now there used to just be one uh i won't go into the full history but some of them can be quite light but most of them are going to be minimally at least 90 kilograms and there's some that go up to 160 170 like the husafel is 186 kilos um you know in, in there's there's different ways you can lift them you know so if you can just sort of pick it up off the ground that's you know good or if you can put it on your lap or if you can stand up with it or you can put it on your shoulder or you can press it over your head you know there's various sort of lifts that you can do with it and the denny stones are different because they've got handles but they're they're quite big like you said um the bigger stones 188 kilos and the smaller ones i think 145 but with those it's just you've got to pick them up with their handles off the ground and hold them yeah, I know. I, I saw that and went, damn. <laughs> yeah, so it's quite impressive there. So uh, if you if you want, give a shout out to your Instagram handle and they can follow you on there when you, you do that. Yeah, so it's at Whiskey and Stones. Um, yet, obviously, part of it's Stones. I also, for those who don't know, I'm quite obsessed with whiskey. So it's either you're going to get whiskey or stones for me. Whiskey and Stones. <laughs> What's the crown jewel in your uh, whiskey collection? Oh, oh gosh, <laughs> you've never been to his house, have you? There, there is like he doesn't have a kitchen, he just has a whiskey collection. I've, I think, I think we're at about 330 some bottles right now. Whiskey, um, it's there's not really one crown jewel, but I mean, I we've got quite a lot of nice ones, so yeah. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's wrap it up, guys. Uh, before we do though, Jason, you're wearing Nike. I am, but it's also a Randy Johnson T-shirt, so um, it, it cancels out, doesn't it? Yeah, it, 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 it does. I, I'm, I haven't figured out how I can scratch it off yet, but <laughs> there, there will be a way. Um, you should, uh, you should turn it into like a pigeon feather. I, you know, it's funny enough. It's, it's. I think there's three items of Nike stuff in my wardrobe. This being one of them. Another one being um, the City Connect jersey for the Marlins I bought, and the other one being. My Oregon State Beavers jersey, and those are the only thing I have that are Nike. 
<laughs> and that's former, been that way since since the the mid nineties. So <laughs> former uh, former Mariners, former Astro, former Yankee, Randy Johnson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> former yeah, Giants. He was a Giant for a year. Over. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember when he got when he signed for the Yankees and he was walking down the street and people were filming him? <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Get that camera out of my face!" Yeah, was he not on the way to the stadium? <laughs> yeah, like for the first time, like to put the pinstripes on, and the first thing he did was like, I got, was like the camera guy." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, welcome, yeah. welcome to New York, buddy. Yeah, that wasn't. Yeah, that was a. That was a. That should have been an alarm bell. That was a an omen of what was to come. I think for Johnson, he just didn't didn't handle New York well. He handled it better than John Rocker, though. <laughs> I was say he handled it better than jo- Joey Gallo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, who's now th- thrilled to to be out in LA. It looks like he's doing really well. Well, he can leave his house now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Poor guy, man. Like, he wasn't cutting it on the field, but, you know, you don't want anyone to feel that way uh, just because of a just because of a game. It's just... One of those things, isn't it? Um, let's leave it there, guys. Uh, it's been a really great time uh, chatting with you again, John. Um, hopefully, you'll come along to the game sometime. Um, yeah. and join us, uh, even if it's just to cheer us on from the sidelines. Uh, even you could even join me and Jason on commentary next year at the All Star game if you felt like it. Um, but you have to be there at least to, to take it in. It was a great, a great fun that 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 All Star game in July. Yeah, there, yeah, it looked it looked um, great fun. No, I you know. I'm, I've always said, I mean, I'm not going to go anywhere. You know, obviously, I've I've got a lot of my play with other things I'm doing, but I'll always I'll always be around and and hopefully come out for as much as I can. Brilliant! Thanks very much again for joining us on the show and talking with us over these two mammoth hours of uh, chat that we've had. <laughs> um, Jason, we will uh, be back in the next couple of weeks to chat about the Caledonia Classic uh, playoff run and uh, obviously the results from this Sunday's games in the makeup week. Absolutely, yeah. We'll, we'll be back now, uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, hopefully we can have a more regular schedule from here on out. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it won't be every week for the rest of this year, but hopefully we'll be back to normal for for next season. And we've got some really cool things lined up for the off season as well uh, ahead of the awards night. Um, so that's it from us. We'll see you soon.